Hey, Valley Church, thank you for clicking in. It is so good to be worshiping with you this Wednesday. Real quick poll, wherever you're at, whether you're on the couch, whether you're watching on the internet way after this was first aired, uh, how many of you have kids? You got your hands up? Uh, If you're in a room with your kids, they're watching you. How about about this? If you were ever a kid, raise your hand. That should be all of us, right? I mean, uh, each and every one of us have experienced what It's like growing up with parents wanting us to like be obedient. They want us to be on our best behavior. My parents always said, why don't you just act decent in public? And uh, that is uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, I was a reflection of their parenting, but I was also a reflection of who they are. And actually, the same is true about Jesus and his followers. If you are following Jesus like I'm following Jesus, we are a reflection of who he is. Uh, Jesus knows that his disciples are a reflection of him to a world that is in desperate need of Jesus. Uh, He knew that uh, he had a limited time on earth and he was sending his disciples out. He left his church here on earth to live on and to maintain that reflection uh, in his final hours even. Uh, Jesus pulled his disciples together and, and this is what he said. Check this out from John 13 verses 34 and 35. Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have. Jesus says, I have been loving you. I have already loved you. I have been an example of love to you. And he says, I want you to do the same. He says, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. This is so interesting and it's so important for us, those of us who are following Jesus. He said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Love is a distinguishing mark of a follower of Jesus. It's just just what we do. It's part of our identity. Jesus says that we should be known for that. Like of all the things that we are known for, loving one another, loving others in the church, loving other Christ followers, it should be at the top of the list. People should recognize it. Everyone should know that we're following Jesus just by the way that we're loving one another. You know, this is a message the church needs to hear and needs to understand. Uh, Having a love for other believers is, is actually a pretty big clue to the world that we're following God, that we're following Jesus. It is the biggest of indicators. You know, you can't say that you love God. You can't say that you're a Christian without loving other believers. It's just who we are. In fact, if you're a note taker, I would love it if you'd write this down. Love is our identity. It's not our strategy. You know somebody who's used love to get what they want. They're, they're using love as a strategy. They're abusing that relationship. They're, they're leveraging this thing that we want. We all want to be loved for their own good. That's when love is a strategy. But Jesus says that's not how we function. That's not how we roll. He says love should be our identity. In fact, uh, I remember taking about 50 middle school students to a hockey game. This was many years ago. I was a, a young youth pastor and I remember pulling all of the students together. 50 young men and young women outside of a hockey arena. I said, listen, we are gonna go into this building and it is so important for us to just be awesome, for us to, uh, to be decent human beings. When we go in there, you are not only a reflection of your leaders, you're not only a reflection of our church, you are a reflection of Jesus Christ. As we go in here, as we hang out, as we spend time, people are watching us, all right? So I just need all of you 
to be awesome, be on your best behavior. And all the kids were like, oh yeah, sure, we'll do that. So we get inside and uh, I mean, it's chaos, right? I mean, there's just people everywhere and the students, what's the first thing they all wanna do? They just wanna hit the concession stand. They're all just scattering, buying souvenirs, you know, buying food. Uh, but I, you know, I'm just like, just follow me. We just gotta get to our seats, we get to our seats. And uh, I remember, there was a, a big group of people behind us already. They were sitting in the chairs, the rows behind us. And as we're scooching in, there are these two brothers that are right beside me. We're just squeezing in. And these, these two adult men, they just start cheering for something and they spill their alcohol all over these two boys. And I step back and I go, here we go. And these two young men, I just didn't know what to expect, but they pulled themselves together. They looked at these adults and they said, uh, uh, we're minors, you shouldn't spill that on us. <laughs> they said, it's okay, sir. And then they just kept scooting into their chairs. I was amazed, I was blown away. I, as in fact, I looked at these two guys and I just said, you guys did awesome. I said, thank you so much for interacting with that guy that way. And please tell your parents uh, the beer was from them, not from me. Uh, we just sat in this group. We were enjoying the hockey game, period after period after period. Three periods. We're just hanging out watching this game. But I'll tell you this. There was a, a mom, uh, her like uh, not quite a newborn, but definitely around one year old, and her husband. They were sitting right behind us. And our students were acting so good. They were being so great. They were cheering well. Uh, they were behaving. And this lady, she taps me on the shoulder. She said, what's going on? Uh, I said, what do you mean? She says, well, all these kids, they're so awesome. You seem to be leading them. I said, yeah, I'm a youth pastor. Uh, all of these students are from our middle school ministry and uh, we just love hanging out together. She goes, that's amazing, what church? And then I started talking to her about my church. Like this is part of you know, what we were designed to do, right? I mean, we exist to, to develop friendships with people who are not yet following Jesus. We wanna discover their story and then rely on God and the Spirit to discern next steps to take. And right here, like she was injecting herself in my life to uh, ask what I did for a living, what these kids were doing. She saw how great they were and she saw that we're connected to the church. It was so good. And I'm sitting here watching hockey, cheering with my kids, and I'm telling you, out of nowhere, it was just a huge surprise. Bam! I got hit in the back of the head. And I turn around and I look at what hit me in the head, and there was this little baby on this mom's lap that had hit me with a souvenir hockey stick. I mean, this kid just cracked me. I looked at the baby, the baby looked at me, and the baby went, and I'm just like, what is happening? So I just slowly turned back around. The mom didn't pay any attention. She wasn't seeing what was going on. And within about five minutes, that baby cracked me in the back of the head a second time. I got to pull myself together. I turn around. I look at that baby. That baby looks at me and the baby goes, <laughs> I'm like, this is not cool. But then I noticed something. I noticed that as the baby was sitting on mom's lap, the baby was holding the hockey stick, but mom was holding the baby's arm. And I'm like, this mom, she's comfortable with me. She's using the baby to tap me on the head. She doesn't know how hard she's hitting me, but we're just building relationship. We're developing friendships. And so I thought, if this baby hits me one more time, I'm just gonna, you know, banter with her like she's bantering with me. And I'm telling you, like 60 seconds go by. Bam! I get hurt so hard. I turn around, I look at the baby, the baby looks at me, the baby goes, <laughs> and I just look at the baby and I said, listen baby, 
if you hit me with your stick one more time, I'm gonna throw you on the ice and I'm gonna let those guys hit you with their stick. And I looked at the baby and I went, <laughs> well, the baby didn't like that. <laughs> the kid immediately, big eyes, jaw dropped, and the kid started screaming. And the mom looks at me and she goes, what are you doing? Why are you talking to my kid? And I'm like, I thought you were messing with me. I thought it was you hitting me. She goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I said, your kid kept hitting me in the back of the head with a hockey stick, and I thought it was you. And she goes, it doesn't matter who it is, you never talk to a baby like that. And she picked this baby, who is now uncontrollably crying, and she just left the game. Her husband packed up all of their stuff and left the game. And here I am sitting as the leader of 50 middle school students who are able to behave themselves, but I, the leader, am, am just destroying the name of our church, and I am not making the name of Jesus look good at all. And here's what I know. I did not do a good job of loving in the moment. Uh, I thought it was more important to be fun and to be funny than to represent Jesus well. And I'll tell you this, we're not always gonna get it right. We're not always gonna do the right thing all the time, but, but that doesn't mean we don't do it. We, we gotta keep trying. Even when we're afraid to fail, even when we have failed, we've gotta get back into the game. We've gotta continue to love others. We've gotta learn from our mistakes and move forward. In fact, uh, I don't know if you get e-news or if you're watching this with a worship folder in your hands, I, I just gotta tell you, pull out that worship folder and I want you to look at the dates. You saw it in our announcements and I just want you to see it in person. We have an opportunity to grow in this area, to grow in sharing our faith. Uh, it's coming up at our community center. It's called Share your faith in the 21st century. It's a workshop that's going to help all of us grow in this area. Maybe consider it, check it out, see if it fits in your schedule. I'll tell you this, one of the things that we can do right now, even if we can't make it to that workshop today, uh, in sharing our faith is uh, just learning how to interact with others better, learning how to love other people the way Jesus loved us. Love is absolutely an indicator. It's, it's a mark of a believer. But not just that we would love inside the church, but that we would love all people everywhere. This is a command. Jesus, Jesus doesn't make commands about things that don't matter. And I'll tell you this, people in 2022 are not the only people who are trying to figure out what matters most in life. In fact, one day Jesus was out teaching and he was, he was getting questions from all over the place. Uh, you know, these religious leaders were trying to trap him because they just didn't love him or his ministry and they wanted to shut him down. And out of nowhere, this scribe popped up out of the crowd. He was an expert in the law. This guy got paid to study scripture. He was paid to know everything there is to know uh, about the Bible in a way where he could just keep rules and, and, and check up on everybody. This scribe, as well as the Pharisees and other religious leaders, they were just doing everything by the book. And this, this scribe, he was sent by the Pharisees in an attempt to trap Jesus. They wanted his ministry over. They wanted him out of the picture. And, and this, is, uh, this is what the scribe says to Jesus. Teacher, he's looking at Jesus, identifying him by a very specific, important title. Teacher, rabbi. He says, which command in the law is the greatest? 
This is a, a kind of a shrewd question because if Jesus would say something, they just were hoping that Jesus would say something that didn't align with what Moses taught or, or something that would compromise the way that everybody in this time and everybody in this culture looked at their books of law. If he could just do that, they could shut him down. They could shut his ministry out. And Jesus says this, he said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Jesus says, this is the greatest and most important commandment. Jesus is saying, this is first. Before anything else, you need to love God with everything that you have, everything that is in you. This is priority. This is number one. And he goes on to say, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So not just that we would love one another as a church, but Jesus says we need to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourself. Like everybody is our neighbor. I've gotta, I've gotta love you as much as I love me, but that's the second greatest thing. And the first one is, say it out loud, shout it out. I hope you said love God. Love God, number one. Love your neighbor, number two. And then Jesus says this in verse 40. All of the law and all of the prophets depend on these two commands. Of everything that you know, of everything that you do, these are the two most important things. You know, if we don't have guardrails in life, everything goes crazy. You know, anything goes, actually, if we don't have rules, if we don't have guardrails. And, and in the Old Testament, uh, maybe you know this, maybe not, there were like 613 guardrails, 613 laws and rules to live by. And, and in Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, we see this cool thing where, where Moses, at 120 years old, he speaks to the next generation and he, he recaps all of the law for this new generation. And he lays out 10 clear commandments. Uh, it's like God's top 10. And these, these 10 commandments, they sum up all of life. And I don't know if you've ever recognized this before, but the first four commandments are all about our relationship with God. And the, the last six commandments, they're all about our relationship with one another. And Jesus uh, is saying, this isn't a new principle, that you would love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you would love your neighbor as yourself. This isn't new. God has always wanted our attention first. He's always wanted our attention and honor before anything else. And, and he also wants us to love and respect others. You know, Jesus is echoing what God has been saying all along. It's like he's saying, if you only do two things, if you only do two things, here are those two things. Uh, these two things, they're necessary. If we really want to understand what really matters, these two things need to be at the top of our list. Nothing else in life is really going to make sense. Everything we do overflows out of these two things. And without prioritizing these two things, loving God and loving others, like we can't live the way God designed us to live. Here, let me illustrate this in a, in a unique way. Uh, I received an email some time ago, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if this is like a legitimate study that happened or if it was just some spam chain mail that made its way into my inbox. But, but here's, here's what it said. Uh, it talked about some research that's happening in the United Kingdom about our brains and how our brains work. And, and I feel like this helps us translate the idea of loving God and loving others in a, in a real practical way. I'm going to read you the paragraph. And I want you to listen clearly, all right? 
According to researchers at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first letter and the last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total mess and you can still read it without a problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole. Now in a couple of seconds, I am gonna ask you to look at the screen back here. And I'm gonna pop that exact paragraph that I had just read up on the screen, and I just want you to start reading. And I know you're gonna feel weird if you're in your living room, uh, if you're in your car, maybe just pull over real quick, uh, because I want you to look at the screen and I want you to be able to read it out loud, all right? Everybody, wherever you are, all together, I'm gonna trail off after I'm gonna get you started, all right? Get you started, trail off, but I want you to loudly proclaim whatever's on the screen, all right? One, two, three, let's read. According to research at Cambridge University, keep reading, keep going. I'm in an empty room, I don't know, uh, <laughs> let me bring you back. I, I don't know how well you were doing or if you were just flying through it, my guess is that you were struggling through it that you were, you were trailing off as quickly as I trailed off. The interesting thing is I told you exactly what that paragraph just said. So why were you saying it with difficulty or like you had your dentist's fingers in your mouth? It was, it was very difficult, right? There was a reason. If you haven't picked it up, I just wanna remind you, these Cambridge University researchers, according to the email, they found out that our brain can read mixed up words as long as the first letter and the last letter are in the right place. The first letter needs to be the correct letter and the last letter of the scrambled word needs to be the final letter. And if those two letters are in the right place, you're able to read it all. But of course, you know, in the sign back here, I didn't do that. Uh, you know, all the letters are in this word and this word and this word, but I didn't put the first letter in the first spot and the last letter at the last spot. It, the letters need to be in the right place in order for us to make sense of these words and to make sense of these sentences. And, and when we're not living life the way Jesus calls us to live, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves, we end up translating God's truths and even Jesus into some twisted version of reality. Let me, let me tell you a, a little more. Uh, that's, why I think, uh, that's why I think some people see Jesus as just a nice guy. You know, when you ask people who are not yet following Jesus, what do you think of Jesus? Some people will say, I think he's a nice guy. You know, he, 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 he talked to people who people didn't talk to. He healed people. Like, that's really cool. Uh, you know, he was patient. He was kind. He was loving. Like Jesus, when I see him in scripture, Jesus is a nice guy. Or you might talk to somebody else who thinks, you know what, that guy's unpredictable. You know, uh, sometimes he seemed harsh or other times he was flipping over tables. He created a whip like Jesus seems a little unbalanced or he seems angry. Maybe you talk to somebody else and they might not ever say this, but, but we all know people who treat Jesus like a genie, right? Like our prayer life is only about, you know, praying so that we get what we want or asking only for things that we want, we want, we want, me, me, me. Jesus is not a genie. And some people look at uh, Jesus through a, a, a twisted lens and, and maybe they even just think that, uh, you know, Jesus and God, that he's just too small for how big my problems are. You know, I'm afraid to, to go to Jesus with my problems because I'm not sure that he can handle it. And I'll tell you this, if that's you, 
you don't have a problem problem. You have a Jesus problem. Like, you got to realize that God is big enough to handle everything in our lives. And unfortunately, you know, these, these few ways are just a few of the many ways people see Jesus in a twisted light. We really can't love that kind of a Jesus, a Jesus who's only nice, or a, a Jesus who we think is a, a rule keeper to, to keep us from having fun, or, or, or a genie. Like, when we don't understand fully who Jesus is, and we don't love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are not loving our neighbor as ourselves, life's just not going to make sense. We can't worship a version of God. We've got to worship the one true God. In Matthew 22, you know, this Jewish lawyer, this scribe, he really was saying, Jesus, what really matters in life? He literally asks, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds by telling this lawyer to love God and to love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. What he was quoting was actually something called the Shema. Shema. Just say that out loud. It's kind of cool to say. Shema. The Shema uh, is something the people of God have been reciting for centuries, at least as far back as the time of Moses. The Shema is part of the Torah in the Hebrew Bible. It's a prayer of, of confession of faith made up of three Old Testament passages from Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 11, and Numbers chapter 15. It's a very specific prayer with, with us praying scripture. The, the Jews uh, prayed this prayer, a simple and known prayer that was so simple and so known. It was similar to the song, Jesus Loves Me, to American children today. Every Jewish kid knew it. Every Jewish adult knew it. So Jesus responds to this lawyer's radically deep question by quoting what every single child already knew. It must have been shocking in its simplicity to those rule-keeping Pharisees. Love God, love your neighbor. He, he's saying, uh, get the most important letters in the right spot. That's what matters most. Love God, love others. The first and the last letters of our faith. Those are the two most, most important pieces of living out our faith. When we start uh, getting this right, every area of our life, it just begins to make more sense. You know, we work so hard in life to, to gain what we think matters, but yet this is what matters most. We can have so many good things in our life, but, but they need to come after these two greatest things. You know, this is such a great quote by a mentor of mine. His name's Dwight Lyman Moody, D.L. Moody. He says this, Our greatest fear should not be failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Think about that. If we, like, finish life with so much, you know, we, so many things that the world values, so many things that people would look at us and say, man, that guy made a lot of money. That guy, that guy had a great job. Look at the size of his house. But we failed at being, you know, great husbands, great wives, uh, great parents, uh, great sharers of the gospel, the good news that brings life transformation and salvation. Maybe we've just succeeded at the wrong things and we didn't even realize it. According to Jesus, what really matters? He says it's stepping into a heart, soul, and strength relationship with God and, and a bold lifestyle of loving others. 
I want us to take a look at this, uh, this Cambridge University study one more time. Um, and wherever you are, let's, let's try to read it again. I'm going to put it up full size on the screen uh, on the count of three. Uh, I'll read with you about halfway through and then I'm going to let you go. All right. One, two, three. According to research at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first and last letter be in the right place. But the word as a whole, like, did you get all the way through that? Like, if you're sitting with people, were you able to just say that entire paragraph in unison together? There's something incredible about the human mind that lets us do this. And I, I think this illustrates so well that if we could love God and we could love others the way Jesus tells us to, you know, life's going to be a little messy, but we're going to be able to make sense of it. The first thing we do is love God. And, and when our love for God is genuine, when, when we're fully devoted to following Jesus, when you are all in in your relationship with Christ, you can't help but love your neighbor. You know, loving God and loving others, they're linked together. They're inseparable. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, both exist in your life. And, and it should be visible to the world around you, to the people around you. Look at, look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. If anyone says... I love God and yet hates his brother or sister. He's a liar. Those are strong words. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In other words, it's so much easier to love people right in front of us that we can see. If you, if you can't love them, how are you going to ever love God? Loving our neighbor, loving others, that just overflows from our love for God. When you and I wholeheartedly understand what Jesus has done for us, and, and we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we can't help but love other people. Like we all of a sudden should have this desire for others who are not yet following Jesus to hear about this gift that you and I have received freely. As, as we close our series, as we close the First Things First series, I want to remind you that the greatest commandment, the greatest thing that you and I can do, Jesus says, is to love God with everything that we have. And the second is to love our neighbor as ourself. But while those are the first things we can do, those aren't the first things that happen. You and I are not able to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We, we can't come close to showing our neighbors what love is without something happening first. 1 John chapter 4, 19. We love because He first loved us. He first loved us. Like, we don't have to do all kinds of things to earn God's love. We don't have to work for His love. God, He just loves us. This, this is where the relationship starts. You know, we're living in a world filled with people who are, are willing to settle for likes. When Jesus is standing before us saying, I made a priceless sacrifice for you, and I want to give it to you. I, I want to offer my love to you. You and I, we are in this broken world as broken people. Uh, we broke our relationship with God through our sin, and there's a price that needs to be paid, a debt that we owe because of the sin in our lives. And Jesus stands and says, I want you to know 
that I'm willing to pay that price for you. Scripture continually tells us that God loved us first. What that means is that Jesus came to earth. God sent his son to be the perfect sacrifice for the debt that you and I owe for the sin in our lives. Jesus is here offering his love to you, to me, to a world who's in desperate need of hope and salvation. And here's the cool thing. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace. If, if you're watching this and you're looking for the gift of salvation, uh, this is the good news. That you and I, we are saved by grace through faith. Grace means that you and I, we just get something that we haven't earned. And in fact, when it comes to salvation, this is something that we can't earn. We can't work for. It's through our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. What do you have faith in? We have faith that God sent his son, this, this perfect man named Jesus to earth, living a perfect life, dying a sacrificial death. His death is enough for the payment that you and I owe for the sin in our lives. That's what we put our faith into. And this is not from yourself. You know what that means? It means not from works. You and I can't work for our salvation. We can't be good enough. We can't read our Bible enough times to earn the favor of God. You and I, we are sinners who fall short of God's glory. But do you know what it is? It's a gift. It's God's gift to this world. To those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is a gift from Jesus. God's love is not based on a list of do's and don'ts. God's love just happens first. He loves us. And salvation is based on what Jesus has done for you and for me. And if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what overflows out of that is the ability to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And naturally, when we're doing that wholeheartedly, we love our neighbors as ourselves. I love you guys, and I hope you have a great week. I can't wait to see you soon.